Imagine making money in your sleep. When I first started selling eBooks and courses, that's all anyone could talk about. And I'll admit that the first time I woke up to money having been deposited in my PayPal account overnight, I was pretty damn excited. But what I realized soon after was that there was nothing passive about passive income. Whether you're making money through ads, online courses, eBooks, or apps, you had to work. Sure, the revenue might come in overnight, but that doesn't mean you didn't spend the whole day before at your desk. Now, while many still promise an infinitely scalable business built on online education, most people have wised up. It's not that information marketing doesn't work in terms of creating a scalable and profitable business. It's just that there are other ways to make scalable and profitable work for you. This is What Works, the show that asks the tough questions about what's really working in small business today. I'm your host, Tara McMullen, and this is part three of a special series on the five key trends we see shaping small business in 2019. I'll tell you more about our third small business trend for 2019 in just a bit, but first, a word from our What Works partners. What Works is brought to you by Gusto. It's a great time of year to set goals and make big changes. And if you're like a lot of the small business owners I know, hiring help is high on your list already. But what about the paperwork, the red tape, the legal hoops to jump through, not to mention the money? Gusto makes it easy. We use Gusto to automatically file and pay our taxes, manage time off, and offer benefits. Plus, listeners get three free months when they run their first payroll. So if you want better payroll in 2019, now is the time to start. Try a demo and test it out at gusto.com slash whatworks. That's gusto.com slash whatworks. Whatworks is also brought to you by Mighty Networks. Mighty Networks powers brands and businesses that bring people together. When I started my small business, the people I brought together had to jump from platform to platform to interact, learn, and connect. We had one app for online courses, another for events, another for our content, and still another to talk together as a community. Now, none of these apps talk to each other either, and most were a disaster on a phone or tablet. And on top of that, I had to pay for each one separately. Then we found Mighty Networks. Mighty Networks lets us bring our website, content, courses, community, and events together all in one place. Plus, it made it easy to centralize fees and accept payments. Plus, Mighty Networks makes everything we create easy to access on mobile with our own app. Make 2019 the year you streamline the way you do business and build real relationships at the same time. Get started with Mighty Networks free of charge by visiting MightyNetworks.com. Mighty Networks is the easiest way to take your business to the next level. One trend that has become glaringly obvious to those in the know is that many of the most successful small business owners today run high-touch, service-based businesses. Instead of scaling their businesses digitally, they're building smart teams, honing their procedures, and filling out a niche. They find profit in optimization and being able to deliver impeccable outcomes. They're signing big clients to long-term deals and enjoying steady income. They're minimizing the cost of software and marketing in favor of investing time in relationships. Now, all of that might sound pretty good, even if it's a bit intimidating, but it gets better. <laughs> all of the business owners I've talked to who have decided to go all in on high-touch services and forego the often empty promises of information marketing feel a huge sense of relief. Plus, they're enjoying balancing running a smart business with honing their craft. For many, 
It's a win-win. Now, running a high-touch service-based business might not be what works for you, but I think this trend still has something to offer you. Use it to challenge your assumptions about what you should be doing to generate revenue, earn trust, and serve customers. Look for opportunities you might have quickly dismissed while being herded into an information marketing model and ask yourself whether they might still have legs. And if you're happily and profitably running an information marketing business, wonderful. I still think there's something to take away here. Successful, high-touch, service-based businesses are highly structured and organized while also optimizing for the experience clients have with the business. Consider how your information marketing business could optimize for experiences while continuing to systematize and automate. Or consider where you might need to pull back on automation in favor of more human experiences. Now, when I looked through our archives to share an example of this with you, I had plenty of options. I looked at Jenny Nash, whose company Author Accelerator is pairing book coaches with aspiring authors using a framework Jenny herself pioneered as a coach. I looked at Autumn Whit Boyd, who has built a full-service law firm by honing in on her strengths. I considered Ariane Folks, who has been raising the bar on e-commerce web design for years, and Jason Van Orden, who exited one of the first online information marketing companies only to start delivering coaching and teaching experiences. Ultimately, I decided on Tara Melvin, the founder of Perfect Planning Events. Tara has masterfully built her business and her team to produce exquisite events in the greater DC region. In her business, she can't help but be high touch, and she's managed to do it in a way that's both sustainable and profitable. Now, let's find out what works for Tara Melvin. Tara Melvin, welcome to Profit Power Pursuit. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So you run a very high touch, very hands-on kind of business. You're a wedding and events planner. I'm curious how many clients you work with per year and kind of what the flow of those clients over the course of the year looks like. Wow. So that could definitely vary in the scope of work that the client has hires me for. So on average, we handle anywhere from 15 to 18 um, events per year. Uh, Again, just depending on the complexity of it. Um, If we have more clients that are pushing towards just coordination services for weddings, of course, then we are able to handle more. But if we have a lot of full service clients like we did last year, then the number of events goes down because there's a higher level intensity and more of a touch with the customer because we're highly involved with them for approximately nine to 12 months. And we're doing everything for them from start to finish. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I find it very difficult. I mean, I do have some clients that I work with over the course of a year. um, But generally speaking, um, kind of getting up in their business for nine to 12 months seems like a really big (laughs) undertaking. So what does what is what all are you doing in one of those kind of high touch, full service packages? Oh, wow. So I always joke with my couples, especially uh, the bride, that by the time it's over with, I'll be your BFF. Um, (laughs) Sometimes I get to know too much information about families. But at that point, when I feel like they can open up and say anything to me, that I've done my job as far as being that confidant, being that planner for them, because now they're more relaxed. It's like, Oh, I trust Tara and what she's doing. So from the beginning, um, they initially reach out to me 
telling me exactly what it is that they're wanting in their um, wedding. And then from there, I create a detailed budget sheet um, along with writing down all of their their wishes and dreams for their wedding. And normally once they see the budget sheet, those wishes and dreams kind of <laughs> diminish a little bit. Um, and then sometimes they increase. It just depends on the couple and, you know, the amount of funds that they have available to produce their, their wonderful day. And from there we get started. It can be from finding the venue site, from finding the venue site to finding the photographer, the videographer, DJ, band, everything that can come into play with producing a wonderful wedding. That's what I do. I touch every single vendor. The client really doesn't have to worry about having multiple vendors calling them because they have me. So all of the information from the vendors filters through me, and then I filter that information to the client. So that way they can go on with their lives as being professionals, boyfriends, sisters, moms, whatever that is that they have before they decided they needed to plan a wedding because I am (laughs) taking care of that for them. And basically the only thing that they have to worry about is any emails that come from Tara or any phone calls that come from Tara because I'm handling everything. And again, that takes um, anywhere from nine to 12 months. We have planned a full service wedding within four months, um, but it was a very small wedding. We only had 50 people, (laughs) but uh, normally it is uh, nine to 12 months and it, um, It's a very tedious process, but what helps is the fact that over the years, I've been in business for 13 years now, and I have good, solid vendor relationships that I can call on them and get the support that I need and know that they're going to bring their A-game whenever it's time to produce events for my my clients. Okay, so I want to dive into this a little bit more because this is fascinating to me. I'm feeling like relief I'm not even planning wedding and I feel relief just you telling me all I have to listen for is your phone call or look for your email and that makes tons of sense for me. (laughs) But at the same time, from a business owner perspective, that causes me a lot of stress because what you've essentially said is my job is to manage all these other people, you know, client by client by client. And so I want to get to your team eventually, but how, what kind of systems do you have in place for managing the people aspect of each event? Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, as a planner, I think you need to be highly, highly organized, um, not only in business, but in your personal life. Um, Because I don't think if if you're not an organized person in your personal life, there's no way that you can be organized in in business. So with that, um, once I book a, a client, I put them, I have all these series of steps that I place them on my calendar and they get an initial email from me once they've booked saying, Hey, welcome to the perfect planning events family. Glad to have you on board. They get a client workbook that I have established that I have built throughout the years and all of my clients love it. So they use this client workbook to put in their, um, their addresses for all of their guests. Um, There is a checklist of things that I need for them to accomplish uh, on their own. Then there's a checklist of things that we'll be accomplishing together. Their budget sheet will be in there. Um, There'll be an itinerary in there for the day of the wedding, but they don't get to touch that. That's all (laughs) terrorists. And then 
within their email, their initial welcome email that they receive, they'll get bullet points of saying, these are our preliminary visits that we will have for each other. And that way I can put it on my calendar to, to know that, okay, in March, the first week of March, I need to reach out to this um, Susan and Joe to say, hey, we need to schedule a meeting for this month. And so I space it out. So depending on the, um, again, the package that they they choose for me, that's how many face-to-face visits that we get. With full service, it's usually nine face-to-face visits. And that does not include us going to visit vendors. These nine face-to-face meetings are for us to sit down for two hours, talk about what we've done thus far for the wedding, check off all of our things on our checklist, see what's next that we need to be doing, and then maybe calming the couple down because they may have some reservations about certain things or, you know, some bright ideas that they've come up with that they have not told me about (laughs) that I need to put on my list to continue to pile it on. Um, So that's what those meetings are for. And like I said, I schedule it out. They get a copy of it. And then I also put on, I I use Outlook. I love Outlook. So I put it in my Outlook and um, space it out. And it dings me every time, every month that I need to speak to a a client, letting them know when we're going to have a meeting or for my coordination clients, since I don't handle the, the planning part of the wedding, I schedule out once a month or once every three weeks that I just send them a soft email or give them a phone call to say, hey, how's the planning process doing? What is it that you need from me? Do you have any questions? So that's how I kind of navigate through that process of kind of handling each individual um, couple and then putting, again, I use Outlook. I love Outlook. They, I put things on my calendar as far as what tasks need to be completed. Gotcha. So you really have this, you're not just organized, you have this systematized, which I think (laughs) is a really key, um, a a really key thing to worry or to, to realize it's not just, um, you know, it's not just having the pieces in the right place, but really knowing what the process looks like for each client. Is that is that true? Yes, I'm a big computer person. I rarely uh, use paper. Um, even when I go on to site visits with um, my customers or have meetings, I'm either typing on my tablet or I have, especially if we're walking and doing a site visit, I have my phone, which I love Evernote. So yes. I put my, uh, whatever we're talking about, I'm typing it quickly in Evernote. And then when I get home or while I'm t- sitting in traffic, sometimes I'll email, go ahead and email the notes to my computer. So that way I'll have everything and I can transfer it into their main file. So Anytime I write anything on a sticky note is basically, okay, I'm looking at my task list for the day. These are the things that I need to handle today. So I'll make a quick sticky note. So that way I don't get off track, handle these things first, and then go to whatever else is on my task list. Gotcha. So the sticky notes are for the immediate things. The computer is for anything and everything else. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Awesome. That's a great system. Um, So can you talk a little bit about the the way the money flows in a business like yours. Um, if You don't have to talk about the pricing, although if you want to, I would love that. <laughs> but I'm really curious, you know, how much 
of the how much of the total fee that a, a bride or a, a couple is paying for their wedding is actually flowing through you back to the vendors? How much is them taking care of it themselves? I'm just I'm personally really curious of how that all works because I have zero experience with that kind of thing. Well, um, the client only pays me for my services. Oh, okay. The, and then with all the other vendors, they pay them individually. I within their budget sheet um, that I provide to them, it outlines every single vendor. Um, what we had budgeted for them, what the actual cost is. And then in their very far column, it lists all of their payment dates as a little reminder to them to know that, oh, I need to send a payment to this particular vendor. Um, And then when we have our meetings, I will go through the budget sheet and then kind of look at who needs to be paid at what time and go through that with the client to make sure that they're on top of it. Now, because I have strong vendor relationships, um, a lot of my vendors that I work with time and time again, they really don't bother the client until we're like a month out, even if they've maybe skipped the payment because they know it's my client and they've never had any problems with any of my clients. They'll just like, okay, that's Tara's client. We know she's handling it. We know we're going to get our money. The only person I tell them to really worry about, just make sure you pay that venue. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because if you don't pay that venue when they say they need their money, then we will not have anything. So, but the other vendors, you know, they feel comfortable with me. Again, that's all built upon that relationship that we have with each other. And um, they're, you know, they're kind of relying on me to make sure, which I kind of hate that a little bit, to make sure that they get their money. Gotcha. So you're not the money manager, but you are sort of an assist. In right, that right, right. So I mentioned that I wanted to talk about your team because I know that you've you've been growing a team, I think, over the, the last few years. So who is on your team now and kind of how do they help you handle the client load that you have? So... Um, For the most part, as far as client touch, all of the client touch comes through me, any emails, um, any phone calls, um, primarily goes through me. If I am in a rut, um, then one of my assistants will handle it. We have, I have 10 people that are on my team. They mainly become engaged, um, with the wedding process, primarily on the day of the wedding. Mm. Now, um, at the beginning of the year, of every year, they will get a calendar stating these are all of the events for perfect planning. Um, this is where they are. This is kind of a time frame because things change. I just give them a window of the, the time of the event. Please email me back and let me know if you can work. Now, for every event, we have a total of four people working. So it'll be myself and three other people. Uh, so they'll sign up. Um, I have a lead coordinator and then assistants. And right now I have three lead coordinators on my team. And that's basically, uh, knock on wood, if something happens to me, break a leg, uh, they're able to carry on the wedding without me. Um, They become engaged either a month to two months out from the wedding. That's when I start updating them. And definitely two weeks prior to the wedding, they get CC'd on every single email that's going out to the vendors, to the couple, to the venue. So that way they're being kept in the loop. They're they're seeing all of the documents. And then we have a conference call to go over everything. Uh, we 
because I've been in business for so long. Uh, most of the time they don't go to the venue because they've been there time and time again, unless um, it is a new venue, then we all go to the venue site and I explain the logistics of everything. Or if it is the same venue, but we have some over the top stuff that's going on, then us, we need to have a meeting so that we can kind of work out the logistics that way. I love it. I just love getting inside people's processes because <laughs> it's just so fascinating to hear how people approach things. And it makes so much logical sense. I would have never come up with it, but it makes so much sense. And I really appreciate you kind of giving us all of the details in that. Now, speaking of details, we've kind of talked about pricing earlier. And again, I'm I'm not necessarily looking for dollars and cents because I'm sure it varies a lot from client to client. But in a business like yours, that's so high touch, so hands on. Um, you've got a really tricky challenge, I think, when it comes to pricing, because there's a lot of time and energy that needs to be accounted for in that one sum that you are charging people, or at least I'm assuming that's how you're charging people. So how do you approach sort of your pricing strategy for pricing uh, perfect planning? And how is that approach? kind of changed over time? Oh my gosh, yes. Um, as a planner, it is definitely tricky as far as like pricing. And you want to provide a fair price to the client, but also you want to be fair to yourself because it is a lot of work involved in planning a wedding. Um, I would say for the past year now, I have developed this model and I came up with it because I actually wanted to know how many real hours that I'm spending with um, a couple uh, planning their wedding, especially on full service. And then am I charging the right amount for what I'm worth and as a full-time professional? So I track a whole year working with the, one of my most detailed clients then from um, calculating the amount of hours, I mean, I have a detailed spreadsheet as far as like every single interaction with them, how many hours or how many minutes I spent uh, handling that down to the number of emails and then taking that and basing it on a full-time job of making $120,000 a year. Cause that's what I used to make when I was a pharmaceutical rep. <laughs> so, um, taking those calculations and then dwindling it down to how much it would be per hour and then putting that number into the spreadsheet. And it came up with the number of hours that I was uh, spending on the wedding and how much the value of that service has been. So that has been very helpful to me as far as, um, how I charge my clients. Now, do I deviate from it just a little bit? Yes, I do, but definitely not much. Um, um, just because, you know, the services that we do provide, they're very, you know, expensive, but you know, you just want to be able to help someone. And when I find that there is an actual couple, you know, they have the love, they're really seeking you for your professional services, then I go from there, but it's not deviating much because I never deviate from my coordination services. It is what it is. Uh, but for full service, you know, it may be like $100 here, $100 there, but not too far off from it. But it's a very detailed. I've even um, taught it to my mentor class. Um, and they have been like, oh, my God, this is like a real eye opener, not knowing like how much time you spend working with these clients. And it was an eye opener for me also. 
Yeah, I am so glad that you shared that because this is definitely a sticking point for a lot of people uh, that I know, a lot of listeners out there um, that don't know how to charge for their services. And uh, we've had a number of interviewees on the podcast um, who have come up, you know, who've kind of shared a similar, if, you know, if still different system. Um, but the key is really, all right, well, how much do you want to make? I think so many people look at it opposite, right, where they're actually thinking, okay, well, how much could I make? How much can I make? How much, um, you know, how, what does this all add up to? And is that enough? As opposed to really looking at this is where I'm going to end up. How much work do I need to get there? What do the prices need to be? What do the prices need to be to be able to get there? And I think that's that's huge. That's awesome. Um, which makes me, uh, which reminds me of a question that I had earlier when you were talking about how many clients you handle on an on an uh, in an average year. Do you have a sort of projected mix of packages or a projected mix of um, uh, kind of client types that you're looking for in a year? Or are you just kind of taking it as it comes? Well, yes. At at the beginning of every year, I do sit down and um, write out my plan as far as what it is that I'm looking for in my clients. Um, the types of services that I'm wanting. I'm always aiming for that full service client um, because one that brings in the most revenue. Um, two, I enjoy it the most because as a planner, I like being in control. So I'm basically in control of the entire planning process. So looking for um, that client that wants to um, hire someone for full service planning Um, That client that wants to spend $75,000 or more on their wedding and um, wants to do something in the Washington, D.C. metro area. Not that I stick within the Washington, D.C. metro area. I can go wherever you want me to go. But those are the things that I am looking for, you know, whenever I'm seeking my clients. Now, whenever someone does approach me and they're saying, oh, I just want you for coordination, I never turn them down. As long as my date is available, um, they can book with me. Um, The only stipulation that I have with coordination clients is that they can only book me six months out from the date of their wedding. Um, Because I do, I get a lot of inquiries. They only want coordination, but they're trying to book me out a year, sometimes a year and a half in advance. And I will not take them at that point in time. That is so smart. I would have never thought of that, but that is brilliant. Just as a way of like making sure that you get the mix that you need, but also that you're not underworking yourself based on, you know, if if it has been a little slow, you've got your bases covered just with that one simple guideline. Mm -hmm. So smart. So smart. Okay. Let's talk about a completely different aspect of the wedding planning business. I'm super curious about this. How do you deal with client drama? Because (laughs) come on, we all know, we've seen the TV shows, Tara. There's client drama in the wedding planning business. How do you deal with it? Oh my goodness. Well, knock on wood, I probably get one client a year that kind of like pushes me to the limit. But as far as like real drama, um, I guess because I've been in business for so long, I can kind of read people when I do that first initial interview, they're filling me out, I'm filling them out, you know, during that complimentary consultation to see if they even want to hire me. Um, but those that, you know, do book with me and they do surprise me with a behavior that I'm just not prepared for, it's just basically being firm as a planner, still being professional, um, 
letting them go ahead and voice, you know, their concerns or what it is that they're feeling and then just come back and, you know, reaffirm them that, you know, everything is under control, you know, um, we're going to take, do things this way. Um, because we are wanting to make sure that this is a very productive day and it is a memorable experience for you. And once you kind of coax them and let them know that, you know, you're on their side, you're their only ally at this point at this time, they kind of calm down. Um, I actually had a client two years ago where it was the father that really pushed, <laughs> pushed the envelope a little bit wonderful, wonderful man. I just think that he just wanted the perfect day for his daughter. And at the end of the day, this particular family is like friends of mine. Now I had surgery Uh after, you know, the wedding, they came and brought me like this nice big plush blanket, magazines, uh, coffee mugs, teas, all this good stuff to say, you know what, we want you to feel better. I actually just had, you know, lunch with the mom earlier this year. So it just, you just have to be able to handle things, you know, the right way and kind of step back and not say what you really want to say sometimes, (laughs) (laughs) but say enough so that you can be in control of the situation. You don't want to seem like you are never in control because once they feel like you have lost control, then that's when they're going to take control of the situation. And then you're going to create even more chaos. That is a good guideline for life, I think. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I first met you through the conference that you've been putting on. Um, So tell us a little bit more about that. But that kind of um, that really sparked my, uh, you know, my feelers, my, my, my spidey senses for just how much you're involved with your local community and the strategic partnerships that you've formed in your, in your local community. And I have a feeling that that's part of, um, that that's part of the wedding planning business or any business like yours. But I think you, at least from my perspective, you seem to be doing it in a very strategic, very uh, thoughtful way. And I'd love to have you talk just a little bit about, or, or not just a little bit about how you approach strategic partnerships with your local community. Yes. Um, I always tell people um, that know me and meet me is that it's not who you know, it's who knows you. Um, So if you can get somebody to rattle your name off in a conversation or just in a crowd of people, then I think you've done your job as far as networking. And for me, it all started about years ago being involved in the community is that... um, Starting out in business, I probably had been in business about four years. And then um, I was at a bridal show, had my little booth because I needed to be out there to meet these brides. And a young lady walked up to me and she was like, hi, you know, I am a part of this association, the Association of Wedding Professionals. Um, I would love for you to attend. So I thought about it. I went to a couple of meetings. I liked what I saw. And so I became a member and then they said, oh, well, we need uh, a treasurer. So I was like, okay, you know, I listened to them. And then the next thing I know, the same lady that approached me um, at the bridal show, she's like, well, why don't you be the treasurer just for a little while, just to fill in for us until, you know, we can have, you know, formal voting and stuff. So I was like, okay, it's going to be temporary. 
temporary turned into me being treasurer, temporary to full-time. Then from treasurer, I went to vice president. From vice president, I went to president and served as president for five years. Oh my goodness. Longer, yes, longer than I should have. But I'm happy that, you know, things happen for a reason. I'm glad that it did happen because it w- if it would not have happened, I don't think that I would have been able to weave myself into this community that we have that's very diverse. And now that I know what it means to network, that's what I tell everyone that comes to networking events. Don't be shy, you know, walk up, you know, introduce somebody to somebody, just start with your name to open up the conversation. You never know what's going to come after that. So just networking and networking. So from there, as being the president of the association of wedding professionals, you get called to do so many things. Um, and then one being the president, you're very visible. Um, so people see you, you definitely have to network and especially network with venues because you have to beg them to have your networking events at their locations. And so it just went from there. And so I, after being, you know, in that role and being in the industry, I've just, you know, reached out and gone to other networking events, um, Last year, I did Thursday Therapy Network, which is um, hosted by Michelle Loretta of BSH Conference. Um, it is a franchise that she has where it's throughout major cities in the U.S. And it's for industry pros to come together and to network. So I was the host along with um, a floral local floral designer here. And we put that on uh, for a full year gathering people that are in the wedding and event planning industry to network. And as I'm networking and then going to different conferences, I felt like when I went to the conferences, I wasn't getting what I truly wanted from the conference. A lot of the people that were on the stage were talking about how great they were and how they could put on the next great event. And I'm like, okay, well, that's all good, but tell me how I get to where you are. What is it that I can do to be a better business owner or a better business leader? And then one particular conference I went to is myself and a couple of the planners um, who have the same amount of tenure in the industry that I do. And we just sat in the corner the whole time during the conference. We wasted that money that we paid. We hung out at the bar and we just sat there and chit chatted about, you know, struggles that we were going through and who's going to put on something where we can learn about business and so that we can stop wasting our money. So I walked away saying, Hmm, sounds like a good idea. What can I do? (laughs) And so over, um, after my last wedding that year, um, I sat down and worked out a plan because it was quiet time for me and said, this is what I wanted to do. Started stalking people on social media like yourself (laughs) and uh, putting together my list of speakers that I wanted to reach out to and building the program, building, you know, the topics for the conference and going from there. And we're in the going on the third year of the conference. Fantastic. Well, it was a great conference. I think you did a great job planning it, which, you know, actually, 
uh, sparked another question for me, which is when I decided to have a conference or a retreat or really any kind of event, the first hire I make is an event planner. Did you plan the conference yourself or did you work with another planner to plan it? I planned it myself. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was just super curious because, yeah, no, I told my planner, I want to show up to this event like someone else like it's someone else's event and I'll just be on stage the whole time and that's fine. Um, but I just don't want to have like worried about any of the details. Right. right. So <laughs> I'm impressed. That impresses me very, very much. <laughs> All right. Well, as we start to wrap up here, um, I'm kind of curious just uh, what's next for you. What's next for the perfect planning team? What's coming down the pike for you this year? Well, um, with the perfect planning team, again, weddings, weddings, weddings. We're also trying to transition more to do more corporate events. Uh, So that is a big um, uh, feat for us and changing that dynamic of the way I network. So everybody knows me in the wedding industry now. So my networking uh, atmosphere is changing. So I'm going to more business uh, focused networking events to get my name out there and so that people will be able to know who I am. Um, And then of course, planning the conference, the Signature CEO Conference, that is um, another big baby of mine. So making sure that that runs smoothly and to um, be a resource for other planners. Oh, and I forgot my mentor program, which we're going on the third session. I have a mentor program where uh, aspiring planners or planners that have been in business five or less years, and they want that one-on-one touch. Um, So the uh, mentoring program is for six months. We meet 12 times and each time is for two hours and it's in a class environment. There's no more than five people in the group. Uh, So one class just graduated last month and now we're beginning that well, we were supposed to have the group three this past Monday, but because of the snowstorm, (laughs) uh, we're going to start um, this coming Monday. So they'll be with me for six months. And when I say that has been one of the most rewarding things that I've ever done, it is one of the most rewarding things. Sometimes I walk away a little teary eyed. Well, Tara, this has been a phenomenal look inside a really high touch, a really high ons on kind of business. And I just really appreciate you kind of opening the doors and and showing us what's in the uh, on the inside of perfect planning. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. And I just want to point out that anybody that's in this industry, um, definitely build your network, build your vendor partners, because you want to have those relationships with people and, you know, treat them how you want to be treated. Because at the end of the day, if you all are reciprocating the same love for each other, you will bend over backwards to do anything for each other. And that's exactly what you need. Fantastic. Tara, thank you so much. Find out more about Tara Melvin and Perfect Planning events at perfectplanningbytara.com. This interview was originally produced by Michael Karsh, engineered by Chris Stowe, and edited by Daniel Peterson. This episode was produced and edited by Marty Seafelt. Our theme music is by The Shrugs. Catch up with the five key trends shaping small business in 2019, plus over 150 interviews with small business owners at whatworkspodcast.com.